There's something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Well, it's November and we're very, very quickly moving towards the end of the year, but it's very, very quickly getting darker. So that's always good for what we do at the beginning of the month, which is the Sky Guide. And uh, to do that, I need to have our resident astronomer who is ross hockham from uk astronomy how are you doing sir very good very good the clocks have gone back or forward or whatever it is now yeah fall back and spring forward oh, that's how <laughs> i need to remember it fall back spring forward i've heard that before but i just forget everything unless it's to do with space it's gone yeah <laughs> but it, it seems so weird because it only feels like a couple of days ago that we, we did the recording for the international observe the moon night episode <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hope you all went out and enjoyed it. I can't remember if it was cloudy. I think it was cloudy for us on the actual night. And I also think, unfortunately for me, I was out somewhere, so I didn't actually get to see it, which is a shame because I put all that effort in. (laughs) Doing all the guides of what you can see, and then I couldn't even go out and see it. Because normally I can get to see it because the moon is round this side of the building but by the time I actually got to actually observe anything it was round the other side of the building which was a bit of a pain and knocking on one of my neighbours doors and asking them to look can I go out on your balcony can I sit in your bathroom and have a look out the window is that all right? <laughs> let's observe the moon night I need, to, I need to see the moon but it was really cool because the organisers of International Observe the Moon Night in partnership with NASA actually put on a live stream and they had views from the SLU online observatory who have telescopes in places like the Canary Islands and in Chile and places like that so you get to see some really good shots from there and they also did these videos which were made by the LRO which were kind of like 3D models of the different craters and things made from the high definition pictures that the probe produces which was really cool and they had some people that were involved with the Artemis program and other missions and things all to do with the moon so it was a really good evening well it wasn't a good evening for us in the UK it was a good evening for the people in the United States but it was like it started at midnight here so <laughs> it was it was a good morning <laughs> for us early morning But it was all good fun. That's the main thing. And I hope everyone had a good time on the evening. It's cool to see, like, when you see the moon from around the world, when it has crescents and that. To us, we're used to the crescent being a certain side. But you go further down, it actually ends up like a, 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 you know, a frown, a sad face as it's rising on other parts of the country. So you never really see that. So to see all these other people around the world posting pictures and showing you what it looks like around there, you're like, oh, it's actually completely opposite way around or like this or like that. We're used to like a left-hand side or right-hand side crescent. We draw it. Everyone else in other countries draw it like upside down or weird. If you think about, you know, Southern Hemisphere, it's all completely different. It's almost like a different sky. It's all upside down to us. (laughs) (laughs) Can't remember what TV show I was watching now, but there was some kind of stand-up comic on there and she was talking about... When she was a kid, people used to say that there's a face of a man on the moon and 
she couldn't see it and then she when she got a bit older she could see it and she said the expression of the man on the moon is a kind of concerned look on his face <laughs> and she said the reason for it the man on the moon has seen the huge meteors that have hit the earth they've seen the dinosaurs dying mass extinctions all the wars and everything we've had in on this planet and the man on the moon has seen it all that's why he looks like he does he's kind of going hmm if only i could do something well you helped create life moon the tides going in and out you helped get us from the sea out onto the land so you've done one thing right <laughs> but he's still up there with his telescope according to the john lewis advert that was around that that christmas <laughs> Yeah, with no astronaut suit on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now everybody who saw that advert would jump into my group and go, oh, you must be able to see this, this, and this, and if you can see a man on the moon. It's like, no, 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 it's not like that. <laughs> you can't see a single person on the moon, I'm afraid. You need a very powerful telescope. And even then, I think the only thing that can is like the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter or something like that. And even that would struggle. And then that can't really see the bits of the lander that are still there, but it can see the dust craters that it actually made when it landed there. And obviously the tyre prints from the rovers and things like that. Um, that's about all you're going to see. The cameras are not that powerful. Because what you've got to remember is when a, a probe goes to a, another planet or a, a celestial being it's um let's just say that the technology is probably about 10 years out of date by the time it gets there because it's designed like 10 years in advance 15 years in advance and technology has moved on before it's even launched <laughs> so it's already out of date before it even goes yeah <laughs> it's a bit like driving a car off the forecourt isn't it yeah <laughs> instantly loses its money and value you're like oh Let's just leave it on the launch pad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing about Perseverance is a lot of the cameras and microphones and things that are on board, it's not bespoke equipment. It's actually stuff that you can buy off the shelf, mm. which makes it cheaper for one, but easily upgradable. And also, if it's something that's been tried and tested, you know it mm. works. Yeah. It's really weird to hear the sound of the Martian winds and things like that on a microphone that you can buy off the shelf. Speaking of all of that, the old uh, helicopter's done well, isn't it? Uh, ingenuity, isn't it? Yeah. They weren't sure whether it was actually going to be able to fly. Yeah, but every test that they threw at it, it passed. Hmm. Now we know that we can have flying vehicles on another planetary surface. So they can cover more ground. Oh yeah, and quicker. I wonder if they use them to now sort of like, now they know they can hover, maybe take the actual rover about. <laughs> pick it up, carry it away somewhere. And then when it's done, it can pick it up and then bring it back again. Pop it back when it's done. Straight out of something like Space 1999, that is. Yeah. So that also means you could probably go up, uh, what's the name of that mountain? Is it Mons, Mons yeah, Olympus? Olympus? Mons Olympus, Olympus yeah. Mons, yeah. The huge volcano that's dormant. You could probably stick something at the top. It does almost stick out the planet, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Find something to... That would be so awesome, wouldn't it? Might as well have a go. Suggest it to them. See if they can get the helicopter up there. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> the views from up there? Yeah, that would be stunning. I can guarantee you once they discovered that the helicopter worked, somebody was probably thinking about that already. 
thing is, they're controlling a helicopter, right? Like Mars. How many minutes does it take before um, they know? Uh, about 28 minutes, I think it is. I can't even control one of those like you get for Christmas around like my front room. It always lands in a dog bowl or something like that. So they're managing to fly one 28 minutes before <laughs> and guide it. Well, they've already done a thing where they had a rover that was on Earth that had little arms on it that could put pegs into pegboards mm. and somebody was controlling it from the International Space Station. I think I saw that. It's almost like your hands are there. Yeah, you've got gloves on with force responses. Mm. And once you hit something, you can feel that you've hit it kind of Yeah, thing. so kind of you get a bit back on it. It's almost like holding the old PlayStation or Xbox controller and you get shot and it vibrates and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, similar kind of features really, I think. A bit more advanced. Crazy. Which means they can do the the opposite way around yeah so the ISS they'd be able to do things up there without having to send people up mm-hmm. saving loads of money and the possibility of death as well which is always always a good thing I think what they were thinking on that response is, is if you've got someone on an outpost somewhere in space you are very limited to what kind of medical equipment and things that you've got so you can actually perform an operation on somebody in space whilst they're still on earth that's quite mad <laughs> Because <laughs> to be fair, they do that now, don't they? Yeah, you can do remote surgery. There was an advert for EE where a guy was having a cutthroat razor shave remotely. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I'm not wow. Sure I trust that. <laughs> There's a power cut or maybe a soda flare hits and cuts it all out. <laughs> but that is, yeah, it's clever stuff. Look how we digress, eh? Started on the moon. But it's all part of what we talk about on this show anyway. So... We haven't digressed too far away from the topic of the show. No, which is what I love. (laughs) So I think we'll leave it there. And uh, when we come back, Ross will go into his Sky Guide for November. Hi, I'm Matt Damon. I play astronaut Mark Watney in The Martian. In the story, my character is accidentally stranded on Mars. Sending people to Mars and returning them safely is the challenge of a generation. The whole world held its breath when the Curiosity rover landed in 2012. The boot prints of astronauts will follow those rover tracks, thanks to innovations happening today. NASA's journey to Mars begins on the International Space Station, some 250 miles overhead, where we're learning how humans can thrive over long periods without gravity. Here at home, people are working across the country on the new Orion spacecraft and space launch system rocket that will carry astronauts farther than ever before. When we invent new technologies for exploration, it benefits all of humanity. But more than that, The journey to Mars will forever change our history books, rewriting what we know about the Red Planet and expanding a human presence deeper into the solar system. Follow NASA's journey to Mars at www.nasa.gov. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal Extra. 
So Ross, what has November got in store for us? Well, there's lots at the beginning of November. Then there's a big gap for some reason between like the 19th and like the 27th where there doesn't seem to be much going on, but the ISS is up. So the space station will be flying around around that time. So hopefully loads to see. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to do a little summary first of all, like I do about the planets and what's up and what's going on. So you've got Saturn and Jupiter are still up at the moment, just as the sun sets. They're going to set around about 9.30 for Saturn, I believe, and about 11 p.m. for Jupiter. So you can't really miss Jupiter, the king of the planets. Everybody keeps saying they see this really bright star in the sky. They're like, that's not star, man, that's Jupiter. So it's shining really bright, it's nice and high, and then the dimmer Saturn is sort of slightly to its bottom right at the moment. As I said, they're setting around 9.30, 11 o'clock, but seeing as the clocks have changed, you've got plenty of time to pop out and have a peek at them. Can see them with the naked eye, which is awesome. Venus is very low as the sun sets to the southwest. It's set in just before sort of 6 p.m. So you're not really going to have much of a window of opportunity to spot it. But it's still going to be there really bright and low. If you've got a low horizon there, you can see Venus just peaking above it, hopefully, as the sun sets. Mercury's going to start getting good. It's going to start rising up just before 6 a.m. So it's in the morning. There is a Mars below it, but the sun is going to be following very soon after. So you probably won't get to see Mars, but you may just see it there before the sun comes up and washes it out. So it gives you about an hour or so to spot them to the east. So Mercury will be gradually rising, I believe, throughout the month. So it'll get better and better and better as we go on. Neptune is up as the sun sets again. It's probably best around from 6 p.m. It's located between Aquarius and Pisces, which are two constellations. And it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So to actually find it with a telescope or maybe binoculars, because they do say you can see it with binoculars. I've not yet, but why not have a go when the dark skies come along? You're probably going to have to do a bit of star hopping. I would say is essential to finding where it actually is. Use an app like Stellarium or something like that. And that's setting around about 1.30 a.m. So you've got a nice bit of time there to pop out and try and see the last planet in our solar system. Now there are a couple of comets up. We spoke about the famous Rosetta Comet last month. 67P, Churumov Gerasmenko. It's a funny name, but you'll know where it is. Yeah, I just call it 67P. See, there's good, glad marks here. 67P, have a look for it. It's starting the month not far from the star Pollux in Gemini, and it's going to be passing below it and up towards sort of Cancer the Crab. So around the month, it's going to go going from Gemini to Cancer across the sky. So it might be best to get an app and have a look where it is because it does move quite quickly throughout the month. So it'll be in a different place each time. The second comet is actually our binocular object of the month. So we'll talk about it at the end. So if we now go to the actual dates and what's going on. On the second in the morning, you've got Mercury and the star speaker. It's going to look really cool in the sky along with a nice thin crescent moon right above them. So if you kind of like draw a line from the moon to Mercury and carry on, you may spot a faint Mars, as I said, just rising below it, but it's going to be quite hard to spot. It's going to be sort of like a line there between the Moon, Mercury and the star. It'll look quite cool. We move on to the third, again in the morning. There's another chance to spot the Moon, which is still there. Mercury, as it's rising slowly. This time it's going to be forming a triangle because the Moon's moved. So between, again, the same star, the Moon and Mercury, it'll be a cool little triangle in the morning for you to have a little look at. If we carry on till later in the night, on the third, Find the star Aldebaran, or Aldebaran, as you like to say it, it's two different names. Just below the cool Pleiades cluster, which is a nice blue Seven Sisters clusters in Taurus, the ball, the largest object in the asteroid belt says we're actually being near the ball's eye. So the star Aldebaran, or Aldebaran, it's going to be right near on this night. So have a look there, you might spot it. It's going to be better later as it rises, and it's going to be just kind of below left of the bright red star. So if you go up there and you see it, if you're using an app, it'll probably show you the stars that are around it. And if there's one kind of missing, 
that will be SAIRS, but hopefully most apps like Stellarium and things like that have it there. So you'll be able to see exactly where it is and it's a really good time to spot it because they are quite hard to find when you're looking for these minor planets and things like that. So a great chance to see it. Apparently you might be able to see it in binoculars as well. So just aim for the bullseye on the third. You never know, you might see it. All right, moving on to the fourth. We've got a nice morning moon hunt. So see if you can spot a tiny 1% lit moon just below left of Mercury. We've seen it kind of like moving down towards them through the last few mornings. And that's going to be right there. It's going to be just to the right of Mars. So Mars and the moon are going to be right there together. It's going to be a tough spot and you're going to need a low clear sort of horizon. But it's a really good chance to see if you can find them both there. Because you're not going to see Mars probably about another year or so I'd say until it's sort of coming right up again for us to see. Right on to the fifth. Now tonight, no laughing, Uranus reaches opposition. And it's in Aries. So it's in a very favourable position to spot. And in fact, they say it's actually going to be at its highest it has been in our skies for around about 50 years. So it's well worth trying to find this month. So we're going to have a look at that later on, I think. So I do believe that's the telescope object of the month because it's going to be really good to spot. We move on to the 6th this afternoon. Callisto, which is one of Jupiter's moons, is actually going to transit the planet again. So we had a few of these a few months back, but it kind of like moves around depending on our orbit. Around about 4.45 p.m. So it starts quite early when it's not really dark yet. It might be starting to get dark. Have a peek there as soon as the sun sets because it will be leaving the planet around about 9.20 p.m. So you've got a chance to see the moon transiting across Jupiter there. Hopefully, if you've got a few hours. If we move on to the 7th, a nice evening challenge for you. See if you can spot a thin crescent moon the other side of the sun this time. So it's in the evening. There'll be a Venus there as well, as I said, quite low in the evening sky. So it'll be quite low, it's about southwesterly sort of area. Probably just peaking above the horizon, both of these. And then again, if you wait till a little bit later, you'll have Jupiter and Saturn will be higher up to their left. So just in case you didn't get a chance to see all them, they're all there for you. We move to the next day, so the 8th. It's almost every day at the moment, there's something going on. So there's loads to see. Pop out again on the 8th and in the evening, spot the slightly higher, slightly fuller moon, now moving away from Venus. You can see how the moon kind of moves past the sun and then away from us and up away again. So again, another chance to see a low Venus and the moon. See how much the crescent's actually changed within a day or two. On the 9th, if you've got some telescopes, again, pop them on Jupiter. You'll see Ganymede's shadow, which is the moon this time. The moon's shadow is actually gonna go across the planet, so it transits it. It does end at 6.36 p.m. So there's not a lot of dark sky to see it, but as soon as it starts getting darker and Jupiter pops out, get your scope on it, have a look, because you might see that. So you're actually gonna see like the moon or the shadow transit the planet again. So go out and have a look. On to the 10th. As the sun sets, our moon will not be far from Saturn. So it's now creeped up past Venus up towards Saturn, creating another really cool triangle between them all. So Jupiter, Saturn and the moon will look really good in the sky. Gives you a chance to see them. On the 11th, the moon's then going to move towards Jupiter. Take another peek with binoculars or a scope and see if you can spot the lunar X and V on the shadow part of the moon. It's a really cool effect caused by sunlight glinting off the tips of sort of craters there. So you can see two planets and the moon and then the X and V if you're really lucky. On to the 12th and again at night. So tonight, there is a meteor shower. It's only a minor one. It's called the Northern Taurid, which is in Taurus the Bull. And although there's only about five per hour, not a lot, they do have quite a broad peak, which means there's quite a bit of time throughout the night where they actually peak. Instead of just being maybe an hour, they might peak for like five hours. The meteors are said to be actual kind of 
really slow burning across the sky. So they almost go across the whole sky and they actually make really cool bright streaks and leave quite prominent trails after them, these ones. So definitely worth going out to see. Even if you just see one or two, you might see them really bright, go really slow across the sky and burn and leave a trail. They're gonna be just to the right of the bright cluster of Pleiades, so the Seven Sisters. That's where they're gonna be radiating from, from around there, but generally just look up and you should see them go flying. They're caused by the debris left by Comet, it is E-N-C-K-E, so it could be Enki or Enk, which orbits the sun around every 3.3 years. So it's kind of orbiting every 3.3 years, leaving a dust trail that our Earth then goes through and we get these cool little meteor showers. Now jumping ahead a little bit, we're gonna to go to the 16th. Again, we're going to pop to Jupiter for another chance to see Ganymede's shadow this time, transit across the planet. It's going to be from about 7 o'clock to about 10.30pm. It's then going to be followed by the moon itself at 2pm. So you're going to see the shadow first, and then later on in the night you'll see the moon go across there. So maybe an all-nighter is in order for that night to see both of them happen, but that's quite cool. 17th, tonight is a peak of another meteor shower. Again, it's only another minor one. Unfortunately, this one's going to have a bright moon in the way, so it's the Leonid meteor shower. Now, these meteors are associated with a comet Temple Tuttle, and it's radiating from Leo the Lion's sort of head. So where the head of the lion is, that's where they'll be kind of coming from. They do say that once in a while, about every 33 years, they do kind of have like a massive meteor, they call it a meteor storm, and you get more than you usually do, so you never know. Uh, it doesn't rise until around 4am, that's the only sort of downfall. But, you know, if you're up early, have a look there. You might see it around the lion's head. You might suddenly see a storm of meteors go flying across. Now, there is a bit of a gap here, because the next event is the 27th. But the International Space Station, from what I've seen, is going to be flying about this month all over our skies. So the best thing to do is keep an eye on the trackers. There's ISS trackers you can get. You can get them online. I'm sure Mark will put one in the notes for you. We'll put it in our Facebook group whenever we know one's going to come up and what time and where it's going to go and if it's favourable. So just pop out in the garden, have a look up. You might see the space station flying across our skies. The only problem is sometimes times and locations differ, but we'll do our best and stick it all up there for you to see. Tonight actually uh, says the largest object in the asteroid belt actually reaches opposition. So although it was in a good place to see earlier on because it was near a star that you can easily find, it's now probably moved away from the star, so it might be harder to spot. But it is actually at opposition, which means it's going to be brighter than usual. They do say you can actually see it with binoculars, so it's well worth a peek, especially earlier on when I said. If you missed it, great night to pop out now, probably for the next couple of weeks to be fair, it'll still be quite bright. And they reckon it's now going to kind of be almost to the right of the star, Aldebaran. So it's gone to the right and spread that way from the bullseye. Heading up and below the Seven Sisters, I believe. So it's gonna be around that area. So between the star and the Seven Sisters, get some binoculars or your scopes, have a look there, see if you can spot it. Same night, while you strap your scope, have a peek at the moon. If you go down to the bottom of the moon, remember reflectors flip everything around. So the bottom right edge of the Mare Nubian, here you might spot the Rupees Rector. I think we spoke about it for Observe the Moon Night. There's a really cool sort of valley on the moon and there's loads of little ones around it as well and they're kind of like fault or impact lines so it's really good to have a look around that area so just look around the Mare Nubian especially to the bottom side of it loads for there to see right that's got me out of breath so that's everything that's going on for the month Science and technology news to explore the world 
of sci-fi, comic cons, and gaming to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We do have, as always, the naked eye, the binocular, and a telescope object that we like to pick. So our naked eye object of the month, it's a special occasion. The 19th, if you get up early, well I say for a treat, but getting up early probably isn't a treat for you guys. But the treat is that our moon is actually going to be partially eclipsed by the Earth's shadow. It's going to be visible as the moon starts to set. So starting at around 6am, you've got the penumbra, which is the outer edge of the shadow of the Earth, is going to go across it, so it's going to darken. And then later on, the darker umbra, which is like the more central part of our shadow, is then going to go across it around about 7.15am. So you're going to see the moon as it goes down, slowly get darker and darker and darker. You might see a bit of shadow going across it. Problem is, it does then start to set, or it sets around that time. Just as the umbra is hitting, it's then setting. So the lower horizon you get, the more you're probably going to see as the shadow passes over it. But if you're up at that time or, you know, you fancy getting up and going to have a look to see it, it's quite cool to see. You're going to see the shadow of the Earth sort of like going across the moon. So that's our naked eye object. A binocular object is that second comet we spoke about. So this one's a little bit easier to say. It's Comet 2021A1 Leonard. Now, Leonard, I can say. <laughs> it's not a Russian name or anything like that that I struggle with for some reason. So Comet 2021A1 Leonard. It starts the month between Cannes Venatici, or Venatica, I like to call it Ca, but it's not an A on the end, and Coma Berenices, or Berenice. It's going to move slowly towards Boots, which is easier to say, as the month goes on, and they think it will become bright enough to actually be seen with binoculars. So have a look around those three constellations around this time around the month. I am actually going to put notes and pictures so you can see where it is around the month, hopefully. So don't worry about that. And I apologise if I didn't say them right because I didn't practice and I should have practised. So the telescope object is an easy one. It's Uranus or Uranus. As it's best this month, they said, for about 50 years. It's just rising as the sun sets, so it's, you've got all night to kind of see it. It's going to be rising sort of with the lovely cluster Seven Sisters, so it's not far. Seven Sisters are just to the left of it in Taurus. It's going to be between Cetus's head, which is sort of like the Kraken in mythology, and Aries. It's between those two. So definitely get an app to have a look for that. You've got a comet to see with binoculars. You've got Uranus to see with a telescope, which is at its best for the first in like 50 years. So definitely get out and have a look at that. And fingers crossed it'll be clear and we'll get to see a bit of shadow go across the moon. So thank you very much for listening. And I'm going to have to go and have a drink or something now because I'm out of breath. <laughs> Now, Ross, I would normally ask at this time if there's anything coming up for UK astronomy, but as we know, you've been struggling a bit with an injury, but do you have any sort of online stuff or anything going on? I'm going to try and do some bits online, yeah. I think I'm going to try and get some more talks in and stuff like that. I'm kind of trying to build up now for December because I always do the uh, Star of Bethlehem talks, don't I, about what yeah. it was or what it could have been and things like that. It's a talk I really enjoy. So I'm going to kind of try and uh, add to that a bit more and do bits online. I've been doing the Constellation guides so every constellation you can see now in our sky is on the website and there's loads of bits around it that I've found that I've seen myself that I've added to it so I'm just kind of keep adding to them for people to see new stuff and how to go out and look at stuff so I'm keeping busy mentally <laughs> but physically I'm not doing so well that way I'm getting a bit lazy now so I need to uh, get out and do something gym work or something that doesn't involve your arm too much no I think I'm gonna have to start running now, I apologise to any runners that are out there, but I just find it boring. I don't mind maybe like 3 to 5k, 
I can kind of stomach that. You know, a bit of music in my ears, some sort of uh, space music <laughs> running along, pretending I'm on the moon. But then after about you know, 10, 20 minutes, I start getting bored. <laughs> I mean, I like walking. But mm. I only like walking if there's something to see. Oh, yeah. See, with me, there has to be a, a treat at the end. Mm-hmm. It has to be a coffee or a pub <laughs> or something. I was like, I can't just walk for nothing. To, to make me run, I have signed up. I should have mentioned this. They do the solar system run. So if I run 3K, I get a Mercury badge, really nice metal medal. So I made sure I signed myself up for that so that I can at least go out and try and keep my fitness up. But I haven't done it yet. I've got, well, I've got to do it by the end of the month. Otherwise, I don't get Mercury. We've got this thing called the Letchworth Greenway in circumference. It's, a, it's 13 miles, but it's split into four sections. So you can do um, you know a small part of that 13 miles. But as it works out that pretty much every quarter of this walk finishes up a pub sold i'm in (laughs) (laughs) hang on how far is it to the pub so 13 divided by four yeah that's doable that's doable are you allowed to stay in the pub for the rest of the evening or (laughs) (laughs) and undo everything you've done with the walk i quite enjoyed the part of the walk that i did it was really weird because i started off in hertfordshire ended up in bedfordshire for me was uh, an achievement i was i've just walked to a different county nice and the the route it also depends on what time of year you go is on the edge of a cornfield so you've got all this mass of gold as you walk through it and it's this cornfield is actually used to produce Weetabix oh nice you can see for miles just just this mass of gold and it was a really nice day so it was a beautiful scene there you go go and try it out see now we're talking about exercise and health been a bit of a mad one today haven't we that's well, <laughs> all pretty cool yeah it's all good Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, Ross, once again, thanks again for coming on the show. Again, thank you very much for having me, and I need to learn my pronunciations, man. (laughs) (laughs) I will try next time. I'm going to sit there and actually listen to them online and do better. Yeah, I always try and do that. When I've got anything to pronounce, I go onto YouTube or whatever and put in how do you pronounce such and such and listen to somebody else saying it, and hopefully that's the right pronunciation. It's all part of the fun, though, isn't it? But, yeah, so the next time we speak on line so to speak we'll be coming up for our Christmas crossover show mm. and uh, yeah I've got to come up with some ideas for that and uh, hopefully that'll be really good to do because the last few years have been so much fun making those I've got to get in touch with John John has been really busy lately um, things are changing for him in respect to these commissions that he has for uh, Warframe weaponry he makes prop weapons on commission for people from the video game Warframe and uh, they are very good but very time consuming <laughs> yeah so I'm going to get in touch with him very soon and I want to get a, a, a proper TGP nominal episode out before our Christmas crossover so listen out for another episode before the end of the month Santa Claus is coming <laughs> 
So that leaves me with the usual thing to say, which is thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. And we'll speak to you all again real soon. Cheers, guys, guys. And remember, there's a billion wells in your back garden. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event. 